So tonight, let's begin looking at um, chapter 7. First of all, we don't have time to look over all, all the chapters. Book of Hebrews is uh, such an important book. Some, someone even calls that the fifth gospel, fifth gospel book. In order to um, in order to preach the whole book of Hebrews in a normal routine, it takes about three weeks. But because we have this limitation of time, we will only cover chapters seven, eight, and nine, and ten. So the core core of Hebrews is about the Christology. So, um, in the perspective of the whole 66 books of the Bible, the two greatest mountains of the Christology is um, Gospel of Mark and Hebrews. So, all the influences of the Christology in the early churches began from Book of Marks. So we'll cover over that while as we go over the book of Hebrews. And, and we need to know a little bit deeper about the core message of Christology in the book of Mark. Why? Because it helps us. And we need that in order to um, look into, look deeper into the Christology of the book of Hebrews. So Christology is all about who is, the, who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? The genuine, the more you know about who Jesus is, the, uh, the more uh, you can have your, um, your Christianity or your spirituality well. So in perspective of your prayer life, why? Why can you not pray powerfully? Why are you praying so powerlessly? Because you don't know who Jesus is well. So, so in Book of Mark, uh, it, it describes us how Jesus prayed, and he never prayed silently. He prayed in a in a um, in a wailing, uh, cries and tears. He cried. He cried and prayed so much that his his sweat turned into blood. So no matter where I go around the world, one thing that I emphasize much is that do not meditate while you pray. This is a, a evil influence of the Catholic. Whether it is in Old Testament or New Testament, it never uh, tells you to um, pray silently. Of course, um, it needs more more description, but you must pray with your voice, with your sound. It must um, rise up to the heavens, and the sound must echo back to you again. And also, in order to break your uh, flesh, fleshness, you need to um, pray with your voice. And, and as you see, lots of Yalbang Church members here, and as you see many of them, you will know. And those people who are praying normally in Yalbang Church, um, their voices are all gone. And when you talk, talk with a Yolbang church member and if you see he, uh, his or her voice being very clean and pure, then you, you, might, you, you should doubt, oh, is he praying? Uh, is he not praying well? Is she not praying well? So in many aspects, and we can see in many perspectives, but in the perspective of the spiritual functions, 
those who are bound in emotion uh, will lose the power and authority. Will lose the authority. For example, uh, if you meet a, a robber, let's say, let's say, let's say you would tell the robber to, hey, go, leave. He will never leave. You just be like, leave, go away. So you must raise your emotion first, right? And when your prayer begins to have the power and authority, the emotion will move together. So you must pray loud until your voice is gone. Amen? So this is all about Christology. Because you misunderstand who Jesus is, that's why you turn in that way. In perspective of the ministry, why is the power being limited? Jesus came with the same body that we have on this earth. So if we live like him, we will have the same power like him. But because you, you misunderstand and you don't know the fact that he is the same person as we are, that you would not have the same power. In John 5, Jesus said, those who believe in me will do like me and even the greater things than I did. Why? Because, because we, he, he is the same person as I am. So if you empty yourself and if you live completely relying on Jesus, uh, Holy Spirit, then you will be able to be like that. So the biggest mistake in, in spirituality is misunderstanding Jesus Christ. So Paul is confessing in Philippians 3. Because of the... Um, uh, because of the sophistication of knowing Jesus Christ, I consider every, everything that I have as feces, as nothing. And he said that uh, being found in Jesus Christ, it means that he's in the relationship between, uh, between the Lord, I abide in you and you abide in me. And as he was being able to do that, he was able to imitate his death. And through that death, he was able to understand who he is. He understood the authority of resurrection and he was able to uh, join the suffering of Jesus Christ. And to Paul, it was, uh, um, he's quoting the message from Philippians. And so he's, he's running toward this goal. And this all happens within the understanding of who Jesus is. But in your, uh, in your spirituality, because you don't know who Jesus is, there comes uh, the, the, the ruin. And in the church, in the church, uh, there are many important um, messages such as uh, soteriology and such, such and such. But one of the most important thing is to understand who the Christ is. And our, us pastors, we need to know that pastoring is not about um, taking care of the sheep, but it's about God's rule and God's reign. Why? Because Jesus Christ must be the head of the church, and He will rule the church.
by himself. So church is about rule. It's not about um, pastoring. And under the rule of God, um, the pastoring will be done. So without understanding who he is, you cannot uh, actually pastor minister anyone. So just like Hosea 4.6, God is saying to the Israel through Hosea, um, my, my people are, are falling into ruin because the, lack of, because the lack of knowledge of me. So if you don't know who Jesus is, you will fall into ruins. And I believe that every, every true system must be established well, but first of all, Christology must be established. So, so we need to understand these two great books of Marx and Hebrews. And one of the core of the Marx Christology is is that Jesus is Messiah who came from the family line of David and he's royal son of God and, and the quotation comes from Psalms 112 and what, what does it mean the family line of David and when Mark is saying he came from family line of David it is emphasizing that Jesus is king just like 1 Samuel, uh, no, 2 Samuel 7:14 says, God prophesied that an eternal king will be raised through the family of David. So Jesus must come from the family line of David. So whether it is applying to God or whether it is applying to Jesus, the core characteristic of, of them must be the king. So the church must have that fundamental uh, basic characteristic of being a king. And I also, I just mentioned about the rule. And when we mention about kingdom of God, it also means, uh, refers to the, the coming kingdom of God in the future, but also it is referring to the rule, rule of God which is being present right now, the kingdom of God. So God himself is becoming a king and he's ruling his kingdom. So there should not be a single force that can that is trying to um, take down take down the rule of God's kingdom. So because God is ruling his kingdom himself, just like Ephesians 1 12, 23 says, uh, he, he entrusted authority to rule over all creation to the church. So church will never suffer from lack of lack of power. So no matter what they do, they only decide, they should only decide whether it is God's will or not. So it seems like the world is being ruled by uh, these um, popular, popular politicians and um, economists. But in fact, it is being ruled by um, Church of God's proclamation. 
just like Amos 36 says, he never does his work without um, info, uh, allowing his his servant to uh, to know it. And as a fourth speaker, church is proclaiming it. The Antichrist will will know it. So the universe is being run by church, by by the true church. So without knowing the head of the church, Jesus Christ, you cannot do anything. So first characteristic of him is that he is a king. And Paul is saying, when he's mentioning the family of David, he... he in Romans 1, 3 and 4, Paul says he uses he uses a term the blood the blood of David. It means that Jesus came through the flesh. That's true. He came came as a flesh, as a human. And just like Ephesians says, he wore the body of Sarks. He was a complete same person as we are. And even he had more weaknesses than us. Why? Because he already knew his identity as a son of God. But he was unable to use his authority as son of God. For example, if I'm a rich man, let's say my father will die because he could not pay for a thousand dollar worth of a surgery. How painful would that be? So that was a weakness to Jesus. So in a, in a perspective, you can say that he had more weaknesses than us. And um, and if we if we talk about his strength, he had a one good spiritually filled mother, Mary. And when your children is not growing well, it's all the fault of your mother or their mother. So I guess Jesus met a good mother at least. But without that, he, he, he wore the same sarks as, as we are. So Paul is using the blood of David. And it's different from the family line of David that appears in Mark. So Mark is emphasizing the, the, the royal authority of Jesus, and Paul is emphasizing the human nature of Jesus. And in Mark, he said that, um, or never mind, in Philippians chapter 2 said, Jesus emptied himself completely. He relied on Holy Spirit, and he lived upon the Holy Spirit. So he never committed a sin for once. So he, he, he was able to be resurrected, and he was acknowledged as a son of God. So... So the core message of Mark's Christology is that he was the same person as we are. And Jesus already knew his identity as a son of God. And he also knew the purpose why he came on this earth. So he knew his fate. He came to die. And he came a perfect human being. So he called himself son of man. And we we have this um, we have a doctor who wrote about this in our church. 
So anyways, he was a complete human being. Son of man, uh, you, don't, you don't need more interpretation, interpretation than that he is a mere human being. But why did Jesus um, use that, that, that terminology? Because before he was crucified, he, he completely made his identity hidden as a son of, a son of God. Because if he was acknowledged as son of God before his crucifixion, then all salvation, all the salvation would be nullified. So as a complete human being, he should not commit any sin. And by relying on the Holy Spirit, he was able to not commit any sin. So, so he was a son of man. And he was also the Messiah who, who was anointed as a king. And he was a son of God who is ruling all universe. And through his crucifixion, he was acknowledged through all these things. And just like Mark 15:18 says, as the centurion confessed, oh, you are truly the son of God. And the centurion represented the whole human being. He confessed that Jesus was a son of God. So, so he was a complete human being like we are. And on behalf of us, he relied on the Holy Spirit in his life. And he was qualified to be crucified. And through his crucifixion, he was acknowledged as a son of God. And he was acknowledged also as a Messiah, the anointed one. We need a long sermon to exp uh, explain all this. But, you know, in a short, this is the core message of Mark. So in this week, in this upcoming week, we will be uh, wrestling upon this Christology of Hebrews. So in order to know who Jesus Christ completely, you need to know these two books. There are a few other parts of the books in the Bible. Those things all belong to Book of Mark, so, so it's okay. So the two most important books are Mark and Hebrews. If you want to learn deeper, uh, listen to my Mark sermons. So the core parts of Hebrews is chapter 7 to 10. And let's look at the overview of these chapters. And one of the reasons why people consider Hebrews as a difficult book is because it has a very complex um, structure. We can explain it in many ways. And we can describe it in many ways. But, but you need to understand that Hebrews has a structure of a letter, uh, a sermon in a letter form. It's a, um, le or, or a letter in a sermon form. So you need to understand this first. And, and the receivers of the letter are the churches who had um, great influences over, over uh, Rome. Uh, 
And if you if you read Hebrews carefully, you sh you will be able to understand that most people who are consisting these churches were probably uh, priests. But these churches are beginning to have problems. But uh, to summarize it, during those days, the Judaism were treated quite uh, Judaism was treated quite well by by Roman Empire because um, Christians were were persecuted. But, but this, this Hebrew church was probably the church who went through the, the persecution of um, Emperor um, Clarius. So there arose some people who tried to uh, return to Judaism because of this persecution. So the author of Hebrews is emphasizing once again uh, who Jesus is, how great this Jesus Christ is. So the, the receivers of the letter are the um, church members who are mostly the priests. And, and all the other church members who are trying to return back to Judaism. So the author, author of Hebrews is sending a letter through a sermon form. And also, I, I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm actually quite clear that uh, the author is not Paul. And of course, Paul probably knew about this situation because, because this author knows who Timothy is. But the, the language and intonation and the terminology that, he, that this author is using is completely different from the ones of Paul. And Paul considers cross, cross uh, very important, but, but the author of Hebrews emphasized the blood of Jesus Christ a lot. And Paul, to Paul, G, um, Jesus said, Jesus said, that is important for Paul. But the author of Hebrews said, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. Or God is saying to you. So they are using different languages. And the uh, definition of faith is uh, quite different from, from Paul. So I'm pretty sure that the author was not Paul. And if you say, hey, pastor, can you put your life upon that? Then I will say, oh, I only put my life on Jesus Christ, but not on these kind of things. <laughs> so... So look, Bible is written upon the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the language might be different. Because when Holy Spirit inspires a person, uh, a, a foolish person can be wise. But some definitions cannot change at all. Because if that changes, if that changes, the whole truth system of that person must change uh, accordingly. So I'm pretty sure that this person was not Paul. Then who, that, who is that person? You will figure that out when you go to heaven. And in, in my instinct, I, I'm guessing um, it might be Apollos. But, the, but who the author is does not really matter, right? Some of the books in the Bible, knowing who the author is really important. Without knowing who the author is, you cannot interpret the book at all. For example, uh, Book of Ecclesiastes. 
And the author of Ecclesiastes is not Solomon, right? If you interpret the Ecclesiastes with the author as Solomon, you, you will have a complete different interpretation of the book. And nearly you can find any influence of Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. So just like those books, um, there are books that you need to know who the author is. And there are books that you need to understand in what kind of genre that book is written. For example, Book of Marx. So for about 150 years ago, uh, most people said that Mark is all about the power, signs and miracles. Because they did not know and understand in what kind of structure did Mark write about his book. Mark is a novel. It has a great, a long plot. In order to uh, uh, reach the climax, who Jesus is, Mark is keep um, building the crisis. So it is not emphasizing about the Messiah and the signs and miracles. If the signs and miracle is a sign of Messiah, then I'm already a Messiah. <laughs> Even before 34 years, I was a Messiah. So you should not put your life upon signs and miracles and the power. And, and having signs and miracles and, and limiting the Holy Spirit within you, then you should be able to let go of the signs and miracles. You pastors should understand this. You should not misunderstand and think that, oh, in order to do the pastor ministry, I need to have the power and authority. No. First, you should have Him as everything. You should consider Him as everything of your life. So without understanding Mark as a novel, you, should, you wouldn't be able to interpret that book at all. Over 34 years of Zoe ministry, as God uses me, what was, what was the most important thing? Is to restore the truth system as it was in the early churches. So God's kingdom is, is being run. And what, what's the most important thing to run the kingdom of God? It's a truth system. And from the truth system comes out the signs and miracles, ability, the characters, revelations. Who is the Holy Spirit? In Ephesians 1.14, He is a spirit who runs through the truth. So the truth and the Holy Spirit cannot be separated. Truth and Jesus Christ cannot be separated. So the most important thing in the church is the true system. Just like First Timothy 4.15 says, um, church is the foundation of the true system. In the church, the truth must, must run and flow. Just like blood and water is circulating in the body of the human being, the truth, truth, and, truth must circulate in the church. And if you are a servant of God, what's the first evidence? You should have the true system. 
A servant without true system uh, might not be the true servant. Why? Because the, the principle that runs the church is the true system. So that's why you should meet a, meet a person like me to, to establish the true system. Or you should personally raise your own true system. You should be either one. You should not just say, oh, because I began pastoring, I should continue to be a pastor. No. You should have an exact, concise, precise true system. Um, Paul uh, spent 17 years in Arabian desert, and I was trained for 13 years by the Lord. What did I do for 13 years? I ate the word, I repented, I bowed down, and I worshipped. That's what I have done for 13 years. And through that process, God established His true system in me. That's why Zoe Ministry is precious, because it has a true system. This is the reason why you should put your life to dedicate to Zoe Ministry. Because it has a true system to lead us until the end time. If then, the power and authority will naturally be revealed through, through that true system. And if we try to mention about the whole signs and miracles that happened to us for the last 34 years, it's, lim it's, it's numberless. In Panama, Costa Rica, just like we have experienced in all those conferences, lots of miraculous signs and miracles happened. But our focus is only on the truth, the word. Then God will do the rest. So we need to look over the Christology of the book of Hebrews. I don't know until which verse I will be preaching about. I already see some of you dozing off because you guys are tired. Um, do you have coffee outside? No? And as always, as always, dozing off, dozing off is is not our issue. Just do not snore while you doze off. And because of jet lag, I I understand how tired you are. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, your spirit will hear. Let's just look at the introduction and then we'll finish tonight. But you, you guys need to receive blessings, right? You guys need to be blessed. So, so Hebrews is about Christology. And probably there are many of you who is listening to this message for the first time about Hebrews chapter 7 to 10. And if by a chance you have heard any message in the book of Hebrews, you probably have heard only in uh, chapter 11 about faith. But the core is in chapter 7 to 10. So without understanding chapter 7 to 10 and saying that you know that book of Hebrews is a vanity. No. 
So when God created Adam, He created Adam in the image of a royal priest, a king-like priest. That's the original image that He gave God in the creation. And probably around tomorrow night, I will be talking about the covenant. And if we look the whole book of Bible, whole 60 book of Bible in the perspective of covenant, um, Genesis 1.28 is, is the covenant of His creation. Um, feel, multiply, and rule, and conquer the land. This is evidence that Adam was already created as a king-like priest, a royal priest. And God alone is the one who has the authority to rule. But when God created this human being, He entrusted, He allowed us to share His leadership. And if you only believe in this one, one secret, it's, it's more, more than worthy. How can God share His leadership with a, with a, a pitiful being like me? So Hebrews 11:12 says also says that the one who is holy and one who is made holy are from one one nature. So we 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 are sharing one nature with God. It means that we are one. And John 17:5 uh, says that I abide in you and you abide in me. And God is say, saying that let us restore the glory. Let us restore the glory. And He's inviting us in that glory. And within that glory, He's calling us that we are one with Him. And when you hear this kind of message, you, you should be shocked. And He's never ashamed to, to be called as brothers with us. All the worthiness and dignity that is uh, being given by Jesus Christ, it is also given to us. The only difference between us and Him is, is that He is also Son of God and we are Son of God. He is an heir and we are the heirs. We, we have no difference. One, only one, except for one, is that he is a, a um, he is independent God, and we are dependent God. So you need to know this exactly. As as you understand this, your dignity will go high and high until you will be like Jesus Christ. But at the same time, you will be humble and humble. You will be completely dependent. So only when we are dependent on Him, we will be dignified. Amen? So you should be able to believe this. So when you believe who Jesus Christ uh, who Jesus Christ is, power and authority, material, but it does not matter. It will, be, it will be yours naturally. All universe will be yours. What's the matter? What's the issue? 
There was never a single time for me that I was afraid of, of the devils for the last 34 years because my victory has been determined already. So it's, it's an insult for me to be put in the same line with those devils. The devils? And you should be able to have the wrath when you think of these devils. This, this conference must be the time to bring all your revenge upon those devils. Just like, just like Isaiah 59, it is, uh, it is, it is prophesying about Jesus' second coming. He is coming with the, the uh, inner clothes of, of revenge. So uh, you guys are wearing all these underwears, right? And in Korea, there's these, these um, company that makes the underwear called BYC. So my underwear will not be made by BYC. <laughs> or Kelvin Klein or, or whatever. <laughs> but you will wear, I will wear the underwear of, of, of Avenge. So when you return home, uh, write on your underwear. Underwear of Avenge. Or revenge. Anyway, so this is our relationship with these enemies. They are only the objects of our revenge. Just like Isaiah 61, 61 2 says, What is the season? And when Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 2, he says that the, the, um, the day day of grace is upon us. So Jesus' second coming is a time for us to proclaim the year of Jubilee. But what is this season about? We are proclaiming the grace, but at the same time, we are proclaiming our revenge against the enemies. So this is a season of revenge. This is a season that we will be more than victorious. And this is a season that God is pouring limitlessly upon the church um, with those abilities and power to win over these enemies. All the authority and power is already in the church to control and rule over these power and principalities of the enemies. So they are nothing. We have the authority to stomp upon the heads of the scorpions and the snakes. Every time I proclaim, I feel these words of God uh, being present as Rema. Luke 15.10 Colossians 2.10 You enemies, I will disarm all your armament. This is always a Rema to me. You will never be able to touch me. Do you understand this? So please um, prepare some coffee out there tomorrow, Pastor Lee. Please prepare some coffee. 
una caffè. Because our, our Latin American brothers and sisters, they're um, having a hard time adjusting to, to this different time, um, timetable. Okay, let's move on. So, so Adam, Adam lose, lost his, his, his authority as a king and as a priest. And, and God chose Israel as a, as a royal nation and he also raised a king. So God gave his leadership to Israel. But Israel also failed. So God, he, God, he sent his son directly on this earth. And Hebrews is also saying that Jesus has restored this blessing of Genesis 1:28, just like Abraham on this earth. So the reason why Jesus came on this earth is to restore that leadership of a royal priest. So he came as a server, as a servant. In order to serve this earth, he came. And through, through his serving, his dedication, he restored all this royal leadership, royal blessing of a leadership in Genesis. And as a server, Jesus uh, um, destroyed five things. This is a new order. He shot five things and he raised another five new things. So if you try, if you are trying to live by these old five systems, then you will fail. Because this is a new order, because we have this new order, we need to be able to live in this new system. This is God's decision. In Hebrews 1, 2 says, in all the days through his son he's speaking through his son but in this last day he has spoken us by his son so so we only need to listen to what his son is saying and because God established these five new systems through his son the faith of the humankind is upon these five new systems you cannot live by other systems so what are these five new things? Oh, no, what are these five things that God has shot? One is the high priest. So we should not live as a high priest on this earth anymore. If you live by a high priest, as a high priest on this earth, it means that we are living by religion. But we should live by the great high priest who comes in, the, in, in Melchizedek. So if you live by religion, 
it means that he is living as a high priest on this earth. And he cannot meet God. So you need to, you need to meet, meet this great high priest who is coming in the order of Melchizedek. And we will see that later on. So Jesus Christ, our Lord, has two jobs, two names. One is that he is a royal son. The whole universe is being ruled by him. And also, oh, but what's the problem of a royal son? He cannot open, uh, open up the road to, to God. And, but God made his royal son as a royal priest who is coming in the order of Melchizedek. Uh, just like fulfillment of the prophecy in Zechariah chapter 3 appears the great high priest Joshua. He's wearing a garment of a king, robe of a king. He's wearing a crown. Why? Because through, a, through one person, he needs to do two jobs. He's wearing a crown. And we believe that Jesus also has these two jobs. There's no reason for us to put our lives upon any other things. Jesus is our everything. That's why we need to be, be lunatics of, uh, about Jesus Christ. He's a royal priest. He's a royal priest. And he has these two jobs as a royal priest and a royal son. So all, all the matters of our life is laid upon him. Who will, who will rely on him more? Who will allow him to take control of his life? No matter how smart he is, no matter how much money he has, no matter how much information he has, it does not matter at all. Who is putting his life upon Jesus Christ the most? You need to believe in this. So, so the earthly high priest has been shut down. Only the great high priest who is coming in the order of Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, has uh, arised. And second, he has shut down the, the law. So we should not live other life than grace. This is something that we have covered over the um, book of Galatians. What's the most important reason why we are trying to secure this true gospel? It's because we want to live by grace completely. And if you are not living by grace, it means that you are living by religion. What is the religion? It means that you are living by your own strength. You are living by your selfishness. The more you are living by your selfishness, the more you will fall into ruin. What is grace? You are living by what you are being given by God. So the most easy, the easiest thing is to live by, by the things that God is giving you in your life. So you can describe grace in many ways, but the most important um, description of grace is a gift. So your spirituality must get easier and easier. Our pastors, as you, as you continue on your pastor ministry, it must be easier and easier. 
Why? Because you keep receiving the gift and presents. What's the characteristic of the people who are keep receiving the gift? Is that they are emptying themselves continuously. Why? Because they need to receive these presents continuously. But why can't you not? Why can you not receive the present because you are not emptying yourself? It applies to the faith the same. Why are you not having the faith? Because you are not believing that faith also is a gift. So you cannot empty yourself. So that you cannot receive the faith, and you are only living by your own strength. So only when you are living by grace, you will be happy. That's the that's the greatest happiness. That's the easiest way. This is a decision that Jesus made when he came on this earth. Amen. So this is all appearing in chapter 7. And in chapter 8, Jesus shot the third thing, the tabernacle on this earth. We no longer serve the tabernacle on this earth. So those of you who has not yet opened the tabernacle of the heavens, uh, you have the tendency to focus on the things on this earth even more. Of course, of course, there are places that God has consecrated more than other places, but because that consecrated places are connected to the heavens, just like Hebrews chapter 7, 22 says, uh, it describes about the assembly of the heavens, and the church of God must be united with this assembly of the heavens. Before Adam was corrupted in Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden was a place that was uniting with with heaven. And when kingdom, of, uh, when the church of God is becoming a true kingdom of God, uh, it will it will surely meet the heavens. This is the prophecy of Malachi. And God said that God's glory will be present in His church. And He will rule by Himself, um, sitting on His throne. So we should live by this heavenly tabernacle. The earthly tabernacle is, is not our issue. It's all about religion. So um, anything on this earth, not uh, anything on this earth, is not holy by itself. Your spirit is the same. Your spirit must meet the heavens. So it means that you should open your spirit and you should let your spirit meet the heavens. Then you will be you will be thrilled. You will be enthusiastic. So that's why Colossians 3.1 says you should search for the, uh, for the things above. We are the ones to live by the things that are coming from the above. Just like Daniel, he does not care about Babylon. Babylon did not matter to him. Authorities of Babylon did not matter to him. He only lived through the decrees that he has received from the above. That's only possible when you open your spirit, when you open the heavens. We are the ones who are living by the heavenly tabernacles. Hebrews 4.11 is saying clearly, you should go before the throne of grace in order to receive receive the the, um, the, the 
the grace, the help. But anyways, what's the throne of grace? The throne of grace is a place where God's um, judgment is upon. But we don't have judgment anymore. Why? Because Jesus has finished all the trials already. The reason why we go before his throne is not to be judged, but only is to meet him. And chapter 9.22 will say later, when we go before his throne, our big brother will grab our hands and he will guide us before his presence. And the reason why all these spiritual things are being not being embodied in your life is because you're living by your thoughts and your your own mindsets. But when you open your spiritual things and when you try, when you maintain this status 24/7, then you will begin to understand that these heavenly spiritual realms are real. And this is an ordinary life. So through this conference, you should be able to go before the throne of grace. You should be able to restore this glory of the Holy of Holies. Amen. We will no longer live on this earthly tabernacle. This is all over when Jesus came. And also, the fourth thing that Jesus has shut is the old covenant. We are a new covenantal being. So, in chapter 8, we will hear what, what the new covenant is. And chapter 9, finally, what is Jesus shut? shut? He has shut the uh, offerings, offerings and sacrifices. We no longer offer the sacrifices of the, the animal blood. We now have this precious blood of Jesus Christ in us. That's the only sacrifice and offering that we will offer. The blood of Jesus Christ has already been sprinkled in our in our in our heart. So so whenever we rely on the blood of Jesus Christ, we will be able to meet him. And all the religious life who has not met Jesus yet is all religion. So in prayer, you should be able to meet him. In this worship service, you should be able to meet him. Why? Because of that blood of Jesus Christ. It means that you have confirmed your righteousness. It means that you, have, you are confirmed that you have never committed a sin. At this time also, you should be able to meet him. Hallelujah. Let's finish here. What a good pastor, right? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's uh, return to our room early and um, have a good night's sleep. I will surely finish chapter 10 this conference. And if we look in a big picture, I, I guess this is enough for tonight. But let's pray tonight. Do not just leave. Father, Father, as you open this new season, and in order to open this new season, we need this new five system that you have gave, you have opened 2,000 years ago, and we need to be equipped in that new system. Lord, let this high priest on this earth be shot. 
And now, Lord, you yourself, who is the great high priest who came in the order of Melchizedek, Lord, let us completely shut all our lively, uh, all, all the law, but now let us live only by grace. Let us know the, the joy to live by your gift and grace. And Lord, the earthly tabernacle has shut. Lord, open the heavenly tabernacle upon us. Lord, let us maintain the new self. Let us enter, be, uh, let us go before the throne of grace. And as we go before the throne of grace, let all these words be embodied. Lord, now, Lord, you have shut the old covenant. Lord, now we are a new covenantal being. Your word is already in us. Your blood is already in us. Lord, let your word, blood, and the water circulate within us and explode. Lord, you have shut the sacrifice and offering. Lord, your blood is speaking within us. Lord, let us know the power of the blood. Lord, open the new season. Open the new season wide. Lord, open, embody all these things. Lord, at this night, Lord, let us meet you. Let us go before the throne of grace. Lord, let us lay down all our burdens of our flesh and loosen all our bindings. Lord, let all the hardened things be loosened. Go before the throne of grace. Go before the throne of grace. Blood of Jesus Christ. Blood of Jesus Christ.